I've been accused many times in my life of trying to put too much order around things. This is where we're friends. I suffer from the same disease. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember there was one time I was I planned this bachelor party and eventually I got a, a message from a guy and he's hey, this is way too much planning. And dude, what I mean I'm I'm responsible for this bachelor party. I'm not saying that all this stuff is everything that we have to do. I'm just trying to put some parameters around our time so we're not stuck standing around saying, Well, what do we do now? But I'm, I'm super flexible. I'm not saying this is how it's got to be. And, and th- there's no room for the bachelor to say, no, I'd rather not do that. No, fuck you, bachelor. We're doing it. Listen, bachelor, I, if you'd wanted to say something, you had a chance to yeah. put it on the A5 yeah. earlier. Exactly. Yeah. You know you what? The it. A5 is done. Yeah. Right? We've got can charts in place. Yeah. You are not going to change the plan. Listen, I was a project manager, you guys, for years. And I'm terrible at planning. (laughs) And I frame it this way. Do you want to learn from somebody who's good at something or someone who has to fucking work it every time? (laughs) (laughs) This episode of It Will Probably Be Okay was recorded on February 2nd, 2000. 21. Ladies and gentlemen, in this episode of It Will Probably Be Okay, we're pressing F5, and then we're pressing it again, and then we're pressing it again. That's right, we're refreshing, baby. It's time for a refresh. It's a throwback to the good old days before the internet's pushed at you, and instead you were forced to stand up and look at the same dumb screen and click refresh, refresh, refresh. Come on, hit me with some of that dopamine, please, internet. Let's meet our hosts. Nick? Hi, I am Nick, and I am excited for the refresh. Hi, my name is Akenji, and I am the Refresh Queen. And my name is Gabe Wollenberg, and I I swear to God, I've never refreshed like this before. It's the first time. I swear, it's never happened. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. I have a mini topic. Beautiful. So, I don't know if you guys know, but there was an election back in November. And, you know, one of the best ways that you can tell that an election is going on is because you see all the signs in people's yards. And I didn't know this until recently. We we do have a neighbor in our in our subdivision that still has his flag up and still has a sign on the side of his house. Aww. The flag you, you may have seen before, it's the, the sexy mashup of Donald Trump and Rambo. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very sexy. And then there there's a big sign. And and I was kind of 
complaining about this to my friends. And one of my friends said, do you know, there's a rule about that. And like, of course there is, but I, it hadn't occurred to me beforehand. So I went online and I looked it up and there is in fact a rule that your signs, at least in the city of Milwaukee have to be down five days after the election. So I, in fact, there were many people in the neighborhood that, that broke that rule and I mean, if if you recall, I mean, I think that the election wasn't called until like Saturday, which was probably five days after. But like I said, I, we still have a neighbor in my neighborhood who has a sign up. Let's let's be generous, Nick. Let's be generous. The election wasn't confirmed until whenever, right? Right. Let's let's even be more generous. Joe Biden wasn't inaugurated. Yes. Until January 21st. Right. And five days have passed since then. And the signs are still up. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe someone, maybe me called the city. I don't know. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) Oh, geez. But, you know, I do think it's very obnoxious at some point. As someone with a dump Trump sign in their front yard since probably since late August, no, probably earlier than that, actually. Probably July. I, I think that after our new president's been inaugurated, maybe take down the sexy Trump flag. I don't know. I mean, that's just me. You know, it's interesting. Does a flag qualify as a sign? Well, you know, according to the rules that I found online, which were which was a full page of information, yes, flag does count as a sign. So I don't understand. You're not allowed to have anything, like... That seems authoritarian. Is this an HOA? Is the entire city an HOA? Uh, Homeowners Association? (laughs) Yeah. In Milwaukee, I've pulled up the requirements for political signs in Milwaukee. And I'll just go through these quick. Temporary non-illuminated political signs, six square feet or less, are allowed on private property without a permit. And then cloth, fabric, plastic, or vinyl signs or banners placed in the exterior of premises anywhere in the city are prohibited. Wow. I would never have guessed that. So, I mean, but I do think I do think there's like a really interesting aspect of this now where like clearly Donald Trump was a political figure, but like to his most fervent cult members, he's maybe something more, maybe something more akin to a um, spiritual figure. I saw a Facebook post where the person was saying like why is it that no one's praising, no one's talking about Joe anymore or like praising Joe? Like, what happened to your like support for Joe? And it was like all the comments were dragging her because we voted for him. Yeah, right. He is not like our ordained leader. We are not his fans. Right. We are citizens of and residents. Are, yeah, we're citizens of the country. Yeah, we're doing our democratic duty. But he, we are not like, I mean, that is not a cult. Right. Yeah. These people are never <laughs> supposed to be, be demagogues. You know, they're politicians. I don't need a Joe Biden t-shirt and I, I don't need a Joe Biden flag to carry around as I walk the streets of Milwaukee. Like I voted for the guy and I took my sign down and it, when the election was over. That's because you're a classy guy. This is probably the the germane passage. This is uh, part 
Part 8. All political signs on residential properties shall be removed five days after the election. That five days after the election is in bold, just to make it very clear. So, I mean, like, it'd be interesting. I I don't know what's going to happen. I know that they said that they were going to send an inspector out to make sure that I was telling the truth. I would imagine they send this person a letter telling them to remove their signs. But, you know, I I really do believe that these these people, these people will probably make the case that these aren't political signs. It's just bad. When I was a local Yokel newspaper reporter, every election was a cancer. (laughs) Not just the one we had in a national scale, but like in little communities, the war of the sign in the right of way Mm -hmm. is something somebody brings to their local newspaper office twice an election cycle. Mm-hmm. They're taking our signs down. They're putting our signs out. They're, ta- they're stealing our signs. But Wisconsin law prohibits the placement of any kind of sign in right aways, right? So you can't put a Trump sign in the middle of the interstate mm-hmm. or in that piece of grass between the highway and the, the railroad, right? right. That, that's right of way. You can't put a sign there. And, but everybody wants to say that this is this is not an encroachment. This is political malfeasance. And uh, the, the last thing that someone who's got to be in their bonnet about their signs being stolen wants to hear is, I, I that yeah, that happens. You, you weren't stolen here. Let me educate you. No, they don't want that. They just want you to hear this. And this is what I eventually started saying to people. Wow, that's terrible. I'll look right into that. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think (laughs) none of this surprises me. I think there's a very, there's there's this ideology that people really understand what rights they have and and what the Constitution says, and then there's the reality, and often those things don't necessarily agree with each other. (laughs) So yeah, that's my... That's my little aside for today. So I'll I'll keep y'all posted as far as what happens. I'm, I'm going to just plug a little bit of a sidebar on your sidebar. Without naming names, there was some drama in Nextdoor here mm. in Watertown when during the height of the election, somebody's teenage daughter was helping enforce right-of-way violations <laughs> and was made made the next-door complaining list Damn. because they saw some girl with pink hair taking her sign down and setting it gently on the sidewalk. And I was like, oh, God, that's mine. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> because what she likes to do is she'll go up to a Trump sign and she would pluck it out of the right-of-way and then lay it down going, shh. <laughs> <laughs> like she was putting it to sleep. <laughs> oh, Incredible. Oh, I was so proud. Uh, so that's our mini topic, Nikenji. I don't really have any, any real... No, nothing happens on this side of the street. That's so Quite not more. true. You ran a good meeting. You were proud. I was very You were proud. called out for running a good meeting. I was called out again today. They, I mean, again, best meeting, best green light meeting for projects ever. You're quite chuffed. There's it's a not lot an of... accident. Yeah, no, there's a lot of bad meetings. So that's like... 
<laughs> that's like a oh, I, that's a serious significant accomplishment running a good you meeting. guys don't know bad meetings till you've been in education <laughs> not only could this meeting have been an email it was <laughs> yeah, right. um, <laughs> the most painful meetings most painful meetings even if the meeting could have been an email is meandering meetings mm-hmm I hate it so much and I frequently have to, it's hard for me because I just want to be like, okay, but like, what's the point? And I can't do that because I'm in, I'm, prof- I'm being professional. Mm-hmm. I know. And in our, in our younger years, I guarantee you two out of the three people in this call would occasionally find a certain chain to pull during that meeting to help continue the meandering straight into <laughs> review. No, this is not this is not high school or middle school or elementary school where you just want a teacher to ramble on so that you don't actually have to do it. <laughs> I still have work to do after this. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Yep. Meetings. <laughs> let's let's take a minute. Everybody taken aside, do a deep breath, refresh yourself, and come back in a new space. How does that work? What is a refresh? You refresh. I don't want to refresh. You refresh. Listen, I challenged uh, myself to come up with a generic idea that I had no idea how I would approach today. And I came up with the idea of a refresh. Because I had remembered a time not so long ago in my past that I was down on my luck, not terribly down on my luck, but I to make it really, really simple, I was living in the basement of somebody's home and I was 35, almost 40 years old <laughs> and it wasn't great. And I would come home from my job I didn't like and I would go down into the basement where I had been allowed to set up my bed. And I would pull out my electronic slab with, of glass and I would just tap on it and pull the button down, waiting for it to refresh and pull it again when nothing changed, and pull it again when nothing changed, just waiting for that device to make the good happen, make the good feelings happen. And I thought, that is the opposite of a refresh, and yet we call that refreshing the page. And so that got me thinking about what a refresh really means. And for me, a refresh is a breath in the space of possibilities between when the work is done and when the future looms, right? It's not a vacation, that's different. You know, when you go on vacation, you come back feeling refreshed, but like there's always this looming return, right? Like, I think it works more like Schrodinger's cat, right? There's a point where you realize that time marches ever on unless you make some radical changes and you're refreshing time outside of the place where work is done that you're hoping that it will at that time that vacation is going to end and then you'll come back to the slog that's not really refreshing 
and I don't want you to get me wrong. Like this isn't all doom and gloom, even though it's February and February sucks. And I, I, I understand that that's problematic, but like literally there are 28 days in your standard February. So if the default amount of suck is usually spread out over 30, 31 days, de facto math tells us that the standard average daily amount of suck in February is just a little bit higher. Okay. <laughs> this is science, Nikenji. I don't want to hear how it's not. <laughs> this is math. But don't get me wrong. This isn't all doom and gloom. This is about that moment. I want to talk about the refresh, not the future looming, not the big work we just did. That moment in between where things are good and the future is uncertain. Schrodinger's refresh, where until the future is observed, you're in a good place. And the future is both bright and hopeful as it is dark and damning at the same time. And I wonder if it's possible to linger there to hang in that moment of refresh where things are good and the future is unknown. And I don't know, like, I don't know if you can, but as I was thinking this through, I'm looking at eight different browsers. So for complicated reasons that I don't want to get into, I use multiple browsers, not just browser windows, but actual browsers. So I have Firefox, I have Microsoft Edge, I have Google Chrome all up on my PCs at work because like there's different reasons and different cookies and different logins and it just it's it's it works for me. But all of them have the same icon mapped to the F5 button. And it's that little one just to the left of the little lock up there of a an arrow bending about 300 degrees and then pointing at its own tail, right? An Ouroboros of circular logic sitting right up there on everything you do that says, you're going to do that all again. It <laughs> you're going to do that all again. <laughs> when you click that little button on your browser, what are you really saying? You're saying... Show me the good stuff. <laughs> this old browser, this old information is garbage. Show me the good stuff. Because until it loads and you observe that there is no good stuff, the possibility of good stuff exists. The refresh for me isn't about the cyclical nature of life. The refresh for me is about that moment where I'm about to find out if the code that I wrote fixed the problem, if my proofreading was good enough, if I solved the issue. And the fact is, I won't know until I click refresh. So refresh is part of our life. Nick, what's refresh for you? Re refresh for me, I would say, typically is... Something that I'm doing when I'm trying to purchase tickets to something. Um, I, between my obsession with going to concerts and my obsession with hard to get beer, I often 
end up clicking refresh. And there's a lot of theories on like when you're when you're trying to get tickets in a scenario like that, there's a lot of theories. Maybe use a, a computer and not your phone. Don't use your iPad. Things like that. And I mean it's 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 really an exhilarating time, but also it's terrible. You know, and, and, you know, as I listened to what you were talking, what you were saying, Gabe, it's like, yeah, it's like I hit that refresh button and I'm just hoping that, you know, there's, there's a cart available and I can put some tickets in it. And I I would say more often than not, I have good experiences with that, but it's not something I very much enjoy or something I very much like. I, you know, I wish I could just get access to the things I wanted without having to have all the anxiety of clicking refresh 10,000 times. Yeah. Um, Or just like, how about a line? Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I know that, you know, once you, once you feel like it's loading, once you feel like something's going to happen, then you don't want to click refresh because like, you don't want to screw it up because maybe, you know, you got the tickets and it's just loading it up for you. But yeah, I think more often than not, you know, when I'm refreshing, it's, it's really trying to, trying to get something that will offer me an experience that I really want to have. And whether that's drinking a beer or going to a beer festival or, you know, seeing my favorite band or seeing Hamilton with all my friends, like, which didn't work out. Thanks Ticketmaster. That's, that's kind of my, like when you say refresh and when I think about it, that's really what I think about is like that experience of logging on five minutes before and finding the website and, you know, pulling up a couple different browsers and starting to refresh a minute early thinking maybe, you know, the robots will screw up this time and I'll be able to get the best seats early. And and then, you know, if it's something that's really popular, refreshing a thousand times because I haven't been able to purchase what I want to want to get. So yeah, that's my that you know, I I know I'm taking what you're saying very literally, but that's kind of my experience with refreshing. Yeah, no, no, I love it because yeah. you're also saying your experience of refresh is a little bit like anxiety. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking like a vacation and all the possibilities in your world and you're taking it and saying, no, no, refreshing is like, again, waiting for that good stuff, but n- not sure if you did the magic incantation. correctly. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting to me because my definition of refresh and like I've been thinking over the last few weeks, I mean, I have a cat because I'm attempting to refresh because I work from my home and therefore I just home, my home is work. Funny how that works out. And over this weekend, like I wanted to try splash photography and I had gathered all the, the supplies, the internet set. I had my tutorials opened up in multiple tabs. No need to refresh. They were there. And I didn't fucking feel like it. And I tried something that's a little bit revolutionary for me in terms of refreshing. I didn't do shit. Saturday and Sunday, I just sat in bed. I will actually lay down in bed and watched Stargate SG-1 on my laptop. And every time I thought to myself, Nikenji, well, like, you're going to let the whole weekend go and you're not going to do anything. And like, feel like if I'm not being productive until finally, I was just like, well, Nikenji, I saw this TikTok and a lot of my life comes back to these TikToks, right? Where they said, you know, 
next time you attempt to shame yourself for something or you you have like a, a negative coping net mechanism that rears its ugly head ask yourself what is this doing for you and that gives you an opportunity to be kind to yourself and so this weekend I was practicing it. I was like, so what is what is me just not doing a goddamn motherfucking thing? <laughs> what is that doing for myself? And I had to face the fact that like I am shaming myself because I feel like I should be doing X, Y, and Z to be productive. Like I should be trying my hand at the splash photography. I should be trying something new so that I can report back on Monday. What did you do over the weekend? Oh, I did this, right? And instead instead of doing that and then in the process triggering what will become a shame spiral because i initially i think saturday i was like all right let me just like try out some tutorials and all that did was trigger like agitation because i had i started to have a very very short fuse i don't have the patience to execute on the instructions i'm reading shit and it's just like a, a jumbled mess in my brain and at that moment i was like mckenji that is what it was doing for you. Go back to your fucking bed, <laughs> watch some more Stargate, and that is how you will refresh this weekend. Okay? So that's what <laughs> refresh means to me. I think that's that's such an incredibly hard thing to do, Nikenji, is to give yourself permission to yeah. take that time, even though we all need it, you know? Yeah. It's so just like the antithesis to my my nature to just be like, oh, you're not doing anything. What? <laughs> I, I think you gotta be permissive of giving yourself that time. I mean, it it you know, obviously you don't want that to be every weekend, but I mean sometimes, you know, if you just feel like your batteries are really low, you you know, you just need to let yourself be. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think I'm going to let you talk, Gabe, but just one last point. I feel like at some point through childhood, through my early 20s, I lost touch with when I needed to just let myself refresh Mm -hmm. because I saw it as a a sign of strength that I will struggle through the misery Mm -hmm. and execute. And suddenly that was me being strong and I, I wanted to be strong, right? And now it's like trying to keep, no, it's like trying to re-engage with knowing when mentally I just need to take a break and do nothing and not try to push myself to execute. And it's really strange because that, like this weekend, that would have been something I would have told myself I needed to push through and I would have been miserable and there would be tears and frustration. And I'm hoping that the next time it happens that I'm able to be similarly in tune with myself and just give myself permission to like, you know, not do shit. I think a lot of times, like when you're in that space too, even though you don't want to, and you're trying to push through, you really hit kind of diminishing returns on how good the, the, whatever you're trying to do can possibly even be. Mm Mm-hmm. In the in the summer, when professionally I am literally going unpaid because the job that I have requires that you take three months off and refresh yourself. <laughs> uh, and and I laugh and joke about me not really working, 
But the truth is, being an educator is performing five days a week, three or four different little shows with maybe an hour break in between. Mm. Like it is, you are present to your environment and your moment every minute of every day. Not just, oh, I got to push through and get this work done, but like you are working a crowd. And and anybody who tells you that's not work has never worked a crowd. And I, <laughs> I joke about that, right? But like as a profession, I then like for whatever reason, we have this this summer break thing. And my guess is the reasons are actually mostly agricultural. You know, that that's when things need to be planted and harvested. Yeah. <laughs> but like in the summer, I find it exceptionally hard to sit down and take a break. And they, like my wife is snorting right now as we play this in the car together. But the truth <laughs> is like, like I like this summer I built a chicken coop and I did it from sunup to sundown across multiple days because like, I wanted to, but also because if I stopped moving, I would realize the world is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think that's a big part of why everybody right now needs to stop and do that refresh, yeah. right, Nikenji? Like you gave yourself permission to literally do a thing that nobody has done for themselves in quite a long time, and that is just be still. I spend a lot of time clicking blocks in Minecraft and watching Star Trek, but I'm not just being still. That's me just self-soothing, which is different than being gentle and letting myself be still. I used to read during those moments, but like I just I am not reading right now when I'm at a desk and I'm working. I'll read. But like if you wanted to hand me the best piece of science fiction you've ever read right now, I don't know that I could sit down and power through it because like. I don't sit and not do. If you were to give me a quiz on it or you wanted me to write an essay, I could read it. But if you're just like, no, read and enjoy this. Yeah. <laughs> we don't practice that level of self-care as a culture to the point where literally we don't do SSR in my 11th grade classes, even though we do them in the 10th grade, you know, because SSR? sustained silent reading, which is uh, not taught consistently that way but the way i teach it is give yourself 10 minutes at the start of each class to set your intention by reading recreationally <laughs> i didn't um, know there was a phrase for i like it, that it's a it's a trick that i use to get myself some time to take attendance but the reality is it creates a culture of reading and learning and if you do it all the way up through from kindergarten through the through through 12th grade, you end up with students who are, who are readers, who identify as readers. And it, it is progressively more challenging to maintain that in today's environment to the point where like, you know, I have, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but like I have come to believe that reading on the telephone is not reading. I would agree. And that's crazy bananas. Now, reading on the Kindle, fine. Reading on a device that is specifically for reading. Reading on your iPad, all reading. But on your telephone, just reading articles from Facebook isn't reading. On your telephone, reading EPUBs on iTunes, sure, I guess that's reading. I purchased a hardcover book the other day, and I still haven't read it, but like, I'm so excited to finally get down and 
sit down and do it. And, and Nikenji, you have inspired me because this weekend <laughs> it's going to be kajillion degrees below zero. Mm-hmm. And uh, the chickens have all their heaters wired up and they're covered. Aww. So I don't have to worry about them. And uh, big new bale of hay out there for them to snuggle in and hopefully not burn down. And uh, although if they, it happened, they'd be delicious. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> they would though. They'd, they'd be really tasty. So yeah, like, no, Nikenji, that was bravo. Way to take care. Way to, way to honor the concept of, of a refresh, right? That's what weekends are supposed to be. And instead we waste them with football and church. Can, I mean, can I make a, can I make a confession? Mm-hmm. Sure. My favorite reading is in the bath. Mm-hmm. I know I that's a lot of information. That. I did that all like, while, while I was growing up, I, I would go in the bath and I'd bring a book and I'd sit back and I'd enjoy the, the warm water and, I mean, I, I just actually, since the pandemic started, I just started doing that for myself again. And, and I really do enjoy that time. And it really is a time for me where I'm not beholden to anyone else. And it's glorious. I bet. I haven't fit in the bathtub since I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> really? I'm six foot three. Yeah, I was just like, yeah. oh, wait. It's short for me. I'd be wondering, like, how... I'm only five eight. <laughs> I would say my bath is definitely not ideal. Like, like my next house is going to have like you know a, a tub that's like idealized for bathing yeah. and reading. But I make do with what I have because no, I hear it's you. something I, I, I need to re- to help me refresh. Yep. Do and you if use I like could... Epsom salts? Those mm. are heavenly. Those are the peppermint ones, mm. and you just like you put a couple cups in and they let it dissolve. And then it's just nice and warm. And I'm going to give that a shot. And they're so much better than the grease balls. Like, don't be, don't be a chump. Don't buy one of those grease ball bath bomb things. (laughs) Yeah. They're they're okay. But like, they will ruin your tubs finish. And, and like, yeah, but like, yeah, like a good Epsom salt, a decent salt bath ball. Yeah. Now I wonder, I, I wonder if you guys, or if if you two draw any kind of like, like, does it matter what you're reading to the two of you? I mean, can you I mean, definitely? Yeah, like like there's a difference like between reading like I mean the the book that I just finished was like heavily about politics, and that definitely wasn't as relaxing as you know. Something else probably could have. Been. I feel like we talked about this. When did when did we talk about books specifically? But when we were talking about books, and I was just like, I'm a trash novelist. Like I don't read for like insight or anything. Mm-hmm. I, I my brain no longer has the capacity to be like with the couple hours you have to yourself. Yeah, read something that's gonna make you angry. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I a world to build that is something else. <laughs> so I was reading the last book I read was the trilogy Chaos. I'm on the third book, but I can't finish it because it's a bit like Hunger Games, where the first book was brilliant, the second mm. book was eh, the third book was like fuck this shit. But I need to read it so I can say I finished the trilogy. That's Chaos. Chaos Walking, I think, is called. It's probably unfair to say I haven't read because I have I have a half hour commute again, and so I have been listening to books recreationally specifically because i realized that my podcast habits 
had slacked off to the point where I was just listening and but not like engaging with them. <laughs> so when that happens, I try to find a book to read for a while. And and actually this summer and then now just I just finished it yesterday. Now that I'm thinking about it, I have been reading the Star Trek Picard tie-in novels. Oh, and they're so good. They're so good. Nikenji, I'll send you them. They're so good. The guy who reads them performs them really well, and he uses all the best <laughs> cartoon voices. <laughs> and he can distinguish between his John Luke Picard and his Commander Riker. <laughs> backwards in a chair. He's really good. Um, a record scratch a bit, but something that I learned was it because of TikTok? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was because of TikTok. The idea of. What do they call it? Let me. I pulled it up on my phone. It's called revenge bedtime procrastination, which is what I struggle with during the week because I feel like I wake up late and therefore I wake up to work. Well, to clean the litter box, give him a meal, and then work, and then after work, I stay in the same area. But my, I feel like I'm so exhausted mentally that I don't have the mental will to do anything but, like, watch some TV, scroll on Twitter and Instagram, and then call it a night. And so then when my bedtime approaches around 10.30, I'm like, fuck it, I want to get in a movie or, or a couple TV, TV episodes or something. And then that means that I'm already late to go to bed and yeah. then repeat because I'm going to wake up too late in the morning. And I'm like, shit, I didn't know there was a word for it, but it came out of China where people do nine to nines. And so then people ended up being like, well, my entire fucking day scheduled. I need to like rebel a little bit. So there's a name for it, guys. Wow. Yeah, that makes total sense. It does. And actually, it wasn't until I was 44 years old that I was able to identify when I was doing that and stop (laughs) playing video games after 10. (laughs) Like, honestly, (laughs) and like, and I, it was only because I think I honestly was seeing so many kids who were suffering from it in school that I recognized I do that too. And like, that is not a thing that can continue. (laughs) (laughs) And that actually, like, that was a refreshing moment, right? Like I was like, no, you know what? I can play video games in bed on my telephone and that's great and all, but like bed isn't where you play video games. And so, like, if I'm downstairs at 930, I know I have to be the grown up and go upstairs and go to bed, not stay down here till I'm no longer inspired to click blocks. Because if I let myself click blocks, I will click blocks forever. (laughs) That's interesting. That's like one of those things that like, do you do either of you have a TV in your bedroom? I didn't put up, I don't, I have a second TV and I put it in the kitchen cause I didn't want it to be in the bedroom, but now I use my laptop or my tablet. So. <laughs> yeah. There's oh, TVs yes. In there. yes, you do have a TV in your bedroom. <laughs> There's TVs in every room in this house, except for the dining room, because at my house, it's really a hallway. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah we, I, don't have, I, we don't have a TV in, in our um, bedroom. Sometimes I think that's neat, but like I've had a TV in my bedroom since I was 12. Seriously? Yeah, right. 
I'd be, oh gosh, Robert needed to like watch TV until he fell asleep. And I tried to adapt my brain to living life like that, but it was really incredibly frustrating. <laughs> incredibly frustrating. Yeah. So I you didn't imagine. give those sleep stories a try? Sleep stories? No. Remember we talked about Matthew McConaughey and his lilting voice sort of gruffly tucking you into bed. <laughs> I, I was nope. just going to say like, yeah, like I feel like I heard about this recently and it's like, yes, Gabe <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> That's called follow up and it's supposed to happen at the start of the show. <laughs> All right. So very, very cool. I'm going to push the limits of this metaphor. Okay. I specifically want to push the limits of our refresh metaphor. Now, you're saying, how could you push the limits of the ridiculous bullshit you spun about the Ouroboros of circular logic that manifests at the top of all of our browsers? And let me tell you, you don't know me very well if you don't <laughs> think I can beat this, <laughs> beat this metaphor to the ground. <clears throat> Did you know that your pocket computer, like all screens, has a very specific rate of refresh, that your telephone's refresh rate is something that matters to you? It does. It I does. No. Telephone displays and all displays have a refresh rate, which is measured in Hertz. And it is the number of times that the screen can be redrawn in a single frame. What they're doing now is it for a long time, it was really standard 60 Hertz, right? 60 Hertz is twice a television frame, right? So 60 Hertz is twice 30. So you can kind of fit nice and evenly. Don't write me. I'm not a math guy. I'm just explaining <laughs> that higher refresh rate makes moving content look and feel smoother. Okay. So that if you have a, a television that refreshes at the standard 60, you have sort of 30 frames a second, which is the industry standard for television. Film is 24, and that gets into some complicated math. Don't worry about it. The point is, the higher the refresh rate, the smoother your UI and the things moving on your screens look. So the more you refresh, the smoother it is, right? You can get phones now in 90, 120 hertz. And... Facebook maybe doesn't improve when you re refresh that much, but any apps, games, stuff with a lot of graphical motions move smoother with a higher refresh rate. And I'm no scientician, and I don't believe in Beatles, but I'll tell you this. Frame rates are weird, okay? Yeah. Have you ever had someone, or maybe you do, but I guarantee someone in your life does has one of those TVs that yes. interpolates data yes. between missing frames. It's terrible. Yes. TVs that make up data between frames that create ridiculous frame rates that make everything look really harsh. Sometimes they call it motion smoothing. Mm -hmm. right? It's Sometimes, awful. Mm-hmm. 
So you're looking at the TV and you're like, this is supposed to be a beautiful movie, but it actually looks like a soap opera shot in VHS in the 90s. Yep. Right? Those TVs are, in addition to failing the single most basic function of a TV, which is to show us the data that we're giving them. Right? have such a a high refresh rate that they're creating images that our brains recognize as too real. Yes. Right? It's like the uncanny valley ran directly into the lightning rod. (laughs) And he's like, how's my form, bro? It's maddening. But all of this is in service of saying, so if refresh is a thing we do and a thing that is important, and refresh is tied to frame rate. And if there's too much frame rate, stuff starts to look fake. How do you answer the question when a student comes up to you and says, hey, what's the frame rate for real life? <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> I know the answer to that, and it's not as clever as the question. Right, right. (laughs) Right? Like, there's an answer to that, and it's as grounded in physics as it is ethereal, right? Like, life doesn't have a frame rate, but there is a maximum amount of data that your eyes can process and your brain can keep up with. And so, yeah. 60 seconds, 30 frames a second tricks your eyes into seeing motion. That's how movies work. And 60 frames a second saturates your neural capacity to process visual data. But just like a cheap computer, sometimes your brain has to offload that processing in order to do other things, right? So, Occasionally, your life is operating at a super real refresh rate or a really poor refresh rate. (laughs) And so the answer to the question and what I told this student was the frame rate of real life is personal. (laughs) And he thought I was just being churlish and wouldn't share with him. (laughs) Oh, that's really great. So I will save us the moment of awkwardness where I ask you, estimate what your refresh rate is. Well, you know, mm, in the bath, it's about a 70, but thinking about getting one of those 120s that interpolates stuff. So I'm always kind of super real and spooky. (laughs) (laughs) And instead, I will move on and just ask you all, what did we learn? What was the point of today's exploration of this idea of refresh? What can we take home and know that we came to understand today? And I'll do it this way. First of all, we learned that all of Milwaukee is a homeowners association. <laughs> and, and probably a lot of other cities too, for that matter. We learned that 
doing nothing is a kind of a refresh. But a refresh is also gambling. And it's also anxiety. And it's also all the possibilities in the universe. We learned about reverse bedtime procrastination and you're soaking in it. (laughs) This podcast is a great example of reverse bedtime procrastination. I think the number one lesson that we picked up this week, and it really truly is true, there is no level of absurdity that I will not attempt to shoehorn a metaphor into. Oh my gosh. And when that metaphor becomes so crushed and crammed and strained in its containers, I will close the lid on that metaphor's container and I will raise my eyebrow and waggle my fingers and say, is that metaphor dead or is it alive? Or is it both? Schrodinger's metaphor. Because until... Feelings are real, baby. Because until... Until you open that box and look at the metaphor as an observer, that metaphor is both real and too real. And because of that, it will probably be okay. (laughs) Woo! I think you've got like a business here. Like metaphors are us. <laughs> like you need a metaphor. You need a metaphor. I'll abuse the hell out of this metaphor. Let's do this. Come on. How circular do you want the logic to be? <laughs> it's literally a little button that points at itself. <laughs>